Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. The best pizza in the city, still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Pizza pasta, so much more for menu and locations. Visit royalpizza.ca. Uh, roughly 15 minutes left in the game between Tunisia and England. This is a big deal at the World Cup. Anytime England plays, even though they've only won once back in 1966. Uh, but uh, anyways, they are tied at one with about 15 minutes still. To Kudos play. to you, Bob, because what did I say before the show? I said, oh, England's probably going to smoke Tunisia. They, they and, should uh, be smoking <laughs> them. They've been all over them in this game. Well, you said no, it'll be close. It'll be close because the games are all close. Uh, now, that said, Canada, as we all know, on th- I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, Canada was a war, I guess it would have been Wednesday, the day before the World Cup, uh, was along the United States and Mexico in a, a joint bid awarded the 2026 uh, World Cup. The guy that I think knows the most about soccer in town is Edmonton uh, media soccer pundit Stephen Sandor. He does some hockey writing as well, and he joins us here on Oilers Now. Steve, how you doing? Doing fine, thanks. Good. Thanks for doing the show. Uh, educate our listeners here who are maybe totally focused on hockey and might have some uh, old-school uh, bias against soccer and all that. How big of a deal is this for Canada to be hosting, uh, to be one of the three countries uh, that will be hosting the World Cup coming up in 2026? You know, it really could be pretty big for this country in terms of finally giving, I think, Canadian soccer a deadline. Because I think if we, we're pretty sure that Canada will get an automatic spot. It hasn't been awarded yet. But I think it finally gives our soccer people a deadline, whether they can put a program together and put a team on the field that's competitive. Because the last thing you want to do is go out there and, you know, whether it be Montreal, Edmonton, or Toronto, embarrass yourself in front of a global audience. And we know with, with viewerships in the billions, you don't want Canada to fall flat in its face. So I think the most important thing is, it's not going to automatically solve our problems. I made that point. I think a lot of people think it's going to be, oh, look, we got a World Cup, and now it's going to be automatically solve our problems. No. It's sort of like how when the Americans got the World Cup on their own in 1994, that it's, uh, that it's not about solving the problems. You have to work hard to get to that deadline to create a soccer culture, to create a soccer uh, program. And, you know, we have to take the steps to get it done. I think Canada has made some very positive steps in the last year, year and a half. But it's only the beginning. And I think, you know, the, the next step is, is, is part and parcel of getting to the World Cup is, is launching the Canadian League, which starts next year. And, you know, has a lot of CFL interest in that. A lot of people involved in that. And FC Edmonton's going to return in this Canadian League. And that's going to be the next, next step. 
to, to, to getting this program on board, actually having Canadian players playing professionally in Canada. And I think that's, it's all part and parcel to make those steps toward 2026. All right. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go back. I mean, my perception uh, with soccer has always been that, you know, there's there's been a, a bit of a cultural uh, bias that's occurred here. And I'll give you an example, right? You had the Toronto Metros Croatia. And they, of course, actually won the NASL championship uh, in the mid-70s. They had Eusebio on their team, who was probably the second best player in the world at that time, behind Pele. And, but, they, you know, the Croatian, when, when the when the Brickmen were here, the, or in the Drillers and the Brickmen were here, there was a lot of Dutch players. Are we past that? Where we just, you know, or is there still a bit of that, you know, uh, English soccer thinks this, German, you know, people of German backgrounds think this. Are, are, I, I think, is is I, there a Canadian identity with soccer, I guess, is what I'm asking you. No, I think we're still developing that, and I think there was a lot of input. Um, I think in the early days, you know, if you go back to post-Second World War, it was definitely a lot of British influence on the game. You know, we've had a lot of other, and, and I think some of this has been positive, but I think at the same time, too, some of it hasn't been as positive because I think it's hard to put people from a culture where soccer is dominant, let's say from England or Italy or Germany or any of those other countries, you know, you can talk about where soccer is the number one thing, where most kids grow up dreaming of, you know, playing in a World Cup or playing in the Champions League, to transplant it to Canada, where for a long time soccer was seen as a second sport, a third sport, or something you did in the summer when you were playing hockey to keep in shape, or that it wasn't the big sport. It wasn't what Canadian kids dreamed of playing. So I think that that's changing, but I think that culturally makes a difference. And I think it's a good point that it makes a difference, what you were talking about. And I think we're just getting to that point now. I think I think Canada's finally waking up a little bit to the fact of how big in terms of the sporting landscape soccer is in the right. sense that if you don't really have a good soccer program, you're not, no matter what you do in other sports, you're not seen as a really good sporting country. Um, you know, and, and I've had that experience when I've gone to Europe and people kind of say, you know, no offense, I know I'm on the Oilers program, but they look at me and they say, who cares if Canada was best at hockey? You beat six other nations, I care. Right? Like, like whatever. Um, and, you know, I, I, and, and they, they talk about, that's not really a global sport. So that's 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 the difference, and I think you, you know you want to put yourself on a map as a sporting country. There's a few sports that you can do it in, and soccer is obviously the biggest one of them. Where is Canada currently ranked? Oh, we're going to fall. We're in the 70s, but I think because of the inaction, our national team—that's the worst thing you can do—is actually not play even a friendly. And I think we're going to be scheduled to fall below the 100 mark again. Wow! Simply because the team hasn't played at all. Not John Herdman has taken over as the head coach from you moving the women's program to the men's program, and the team really hasn't played a lot. And it didn't play a lot when Octavio Zambrano was coaching the team. That was one of the the criticisms of Octavio when he took over as coach. So. This team has, has been inactive, and you know that's got to change. And I, I hope in the next next year or so, we're going to start seeing this team be a lot more active. And I think you know, Concacaf is changing our region, which we play in uh, North and Central America. We're changing our the way that we're kind of going about our international play. That we're actually going to have a nations league, where instead of friendlies, we'll be actually playing games within our region that count towards sort of like our European Championship but it's our, our CONCACAF Championship but it's going to be done over the course of a couple of years and it's going to be done as a league that you sort of like oh, this is your international league well you're playing and uh, you know you're playing a Caribbean nation or you're playing Central American nation in the United States or Mexico and, and you move on so uh, hopefully that will get our team a lot more active and that's what it needs to be Do you believe that Canada can have a competitive team by 2026 Steve? Absolutely I, I, I think uh, you, you look at other programs 
uh, that were given deadlines. And I think the United States in 1994 was the, the biggest example. The United States, when you know they got the World Cup, the rest of the world kind of laughed. They were like, what, are you serious? They're going to have a World Cup there? Like, it's nice to go. They got all the big football stadiums, but what program do they have? And now, you know, they, they shocked the world by not qualifying as being one of the big countries to not qualify for this World Cup, joining the likes of Italy, the Netherlands, and Chile. But generally, their their program has strengthened, and MLS is now look at the expansion fees, look at look at uh, look at the money that MLS is starting to spend on players. I mean, they're still just at the cusp, I think, in the United States of what they can do with that league. And but if you take a look, you know, you're looking at expansion fees that are, you know, edging closer and closer. They're they're in, they're in nine digits now. You know, they're over the hundred million dollar mark. So you, 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 it, it's it's really changed the game. And, and it's well, the, the quality of play. You look at South Korea when they had it at home, and mind you, in 2002, they got the, the help of some referees' calls that, you know, are still to this day are debated, but they got to the semifinals. So, you know, I, I think that's a bit of a reach for Canada to go that far, especially since we're only hosting 10 of the 80 games. But I think you look at, you look at, at, at what the plan is and, and, and what you need to do. There are some blueprints already out there from countries that, that built their programs. All right. Uh, you mentioned Canada. Obviously, they're getting ten games. Is Edmonton guaranteed to get games, Steve? No. Um, right now, uh, as it stands, there are twenty-three cities left uh, in the proposal that FIFA voted on and accepted. Uh, they take over the process now, but there will be sixteen host cities in the end. There were more. There were some that dropped out. There were some that were eliminated. Uh, I think we're many of us are familiar. Vancouver actually pulled out of the process. Uh, said they didn't want to be involved anymore. The BC government said they didn't want to be involved anymore. Uh, so there's three Canadian cities left. Um, some other cities were eliminated before, like Regina, Ottawa, and Calgary. Uh, so there's three cities left. Because it was 23. Steve, yeah. Steve, it was reported that Edmonton was going to get games late last week. Yeah, well, I think we're likely to get games, but you know, there's only only 16 cities left standing at the end. So seven more have got to be cut. When I've talked to, you know, and we spoke, I spoke to the Kane Soccer Association president last week, and and, and the USSF Soccer president, Carlos Cordero, and Stephen Reed at the CSA, and they both said some hard decisions still have to be made, and some cities are still going to be disappointed. So it's not no city is lock stock yet. No city is like, or no city has got the green check mark by their name. There are the probabilities. And I would put Edmonton in the probably and likely, uh, but I wouldn't, you can't say for sure, for sure, because things, you know, being what they are, there's still seven of the 23 cities are going to be eliminated from this, from this okay. process. All right. Um, have you watched, uh, I'm going to assume you, I mean, you're on as uh, Edmonton media uh, soccer pundit, Stephen Sandors. I mean, we all know you know the game, uh, but but tell me this. I'm sure you've watched virtually every game so far in the World Cup. Are you concerned at all about the inconsistency with the video review, given what, what's even occurred today uh, between England and Tunisia? I think because soccer has such few stoppages in play, and, you know, you can't really stop the clock. And I think there are times when, you know, they talk to the referee and they're saying, okay, go to the video board. And I think we all know that if he's been told to go to the video board, that the, the people in the, in the war room think that there's something to overturn. It's almost right. like he's under pressure to overturn something. It's like they're telling him, you know, if you're getting the buzz to say, you got to go look at the video, that basically means you missed something. Um, you know, I, 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 would, I don't think we're going to see a VAR a, you know, a referee look at something on VAR and go, oh, yeah, I had it right the first time because they wouldn't buzz him. Um, but I do think, I think, you know, in, in some of the games in, today in one of the games in Tunisia, England, we saw, uh, you know, Tunisia get a penalty. And was it the penalty? I think so. 
Right. But I think, you know, England was complaining that the, the Harry Kane was basically, like it was straight over an Eskimos game tackled in the box. And there was they, they, there was no VAR call on that. And other things, there have been VAR calls. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting things right, like does the ball go across the goal line? Right. Um, I think that's important, and I like the technology, and I would love to see the NHL have similar technology like soccer has, where, you know, the buzz goes off, an alarm goes off if the whole you know, thing of there to be a puck or a ball goes across the goal line. You don't even need video. It says, like, okay, we know the all went across. Um, I think that's great. I think replay in sports has become a danger, in all sports, has become a dangerous, dangerous crush for referees. It's become a dangerous, dangerous interruption to the game. It's slowing games down, and it's being overused. I think we have to accept there's going to be some human error in games, and that makes what makes sports a little bit interesting. It's a human game. It's not played by robots. Uh, I think that we're opening up people to be second-guessed all the time. And I also think that there's no, and I think you're right, there is a consistency issue. There will be consistency issue. depends on who's in the booth, who's refereeing what games. Uh, we saw this in the NHL. We saw, like, sometimes we didn't know, right, with video review. Right. Um, you know, what was goaltender interference? I think we were confused after the Anaheim-Edmonton playoff series of a couple of seasons ago of what was goaltender interference, and it only got worse this season. Uh, I think soccer be no different when you have these kind of subjective calls, um, and 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 you start the players just almost don't know what what constitutes a foul, what what constitutes you know something that's up for review because sometimes something that's fairly innocuous gets to review, and sometimes you think something that's fairly obvious doesn't, and you're kind of left a little bit confused. I think it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. All right, uh, final question. I mean, England sitting here tied one one in the final you know two minutes of. Uh, a regulation before they go to injury time um, against Tunisia, not exactly known as an international powerhouse. Germany beaten yesterday by Mexico, and I thought outplayed quite considerably in stretches of that game and lucky to have escaped only with a one nothing loss. Uh, Argentina ties 1-1, Brazil ties 1-1. I mean, these are England's maybe not as much of a traditional powerhouse as the other three countries, but is this just an illustration of how competitive the games are? Actually, I think, if anything, it's an illustration of how if there's one thing I would say that ties a common thread for a lot of the games I've seen so far, is how poor the finishing has been from world-class strikers. And I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about Argentina, bury a chance. Brazil, bury one of your chances. I mean, you're creating chances. And I think the England game today, I mean, how many open nets can you guys miss? Yeah, it's right? unbelievable. I mean, if, 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 and I don't, I can't remember a World Cup, and I can't even go to some of the games that were wins, like when Serbia beats Costa Rica 1-0. Serbia scores a fantastic free kick. This is about four open headers in front of the goal. They should have won that about 5-0 yeah. uh, on, on basis of play. And, you know, with Sweden, we saw this morning, miss a couple of absolute sitters against Korea. You know, they escaped with a penalty kick to get the win. But... I've, I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's the ball. The players aren't settled with the Adidas ball. But I, I'm struggling to remember when I've seen this many world-class players from like five feet out. Because, you know, you know, people can say it's tough to score in soccer, but I go back to the thing that once you're in the penalty area, it, it's a big net. <laughs> and uh, you got to be able to hit the target. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the same thing watching England play. They should have four or five goals. Well, there were, there were chances where it was easier to it, it was harder to not score than score. There was a scramble late in the first half. You know, the Tunisian keepers out of it, and they're trying for the spectacular goal rather than just have someone just barge into the ball and nudge it across the goal line. Yeah. Um, the the uh, Argentina was maddening their lack of ability to finish. And you know, honestly, you talked about Mexico. 
they had how many odd man odd yeah. man breaks in that game and only buried one of them. Yeah. He, like, you know, at, at a certain level, you're going to get burned when you can only burn one of those chances. You know, I see that Mexican team play a lot against Canada. They've got a lot of spectacular young players on that team. What they did didn't surprise me so much because I've seen them a lot and I'm familiar with that team quite a bit, probably more than any other team at this World Cup. Uh, but at the same time, both teams were missing chances left, right, and center. And, you know, a lot of shooters are making keepers look pretty good, um, you know, with, 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 the, with the level of finishing. And I've been surprised. I think outside of Spain and Portugal, I, I haven't seen a lot of games. And Russia against Saudi Arabia, which, you know, they look like they're going to be the worst team of the tournament in Saudi Arabia, where it's like, okay, finish your chances. You know, do what you got to do. But some of these teams that should have buried teams, that shouldn't have been 1-0 games, they're ending up being 1-0 games because no one seems to be able to, to, to shoot straight. All right, well, one guy that, ha- that can finish has just finished for England. So, spoiler alert, Harry Kane has just headed one home uh, in the 91st minute. So, it's two on. Yeah, I, I think I would have scored that one from there. Yeah, well, uh, we'd have to be in position. Uh, his name is Stephen S- Sandor. He knows soccer better than anybody in the city. Uh, Stephen, how do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Stephen Sandor, just my name. Uh, and you can go to my uh, blog, the11.ca, which is the11.ca. All right, great stuff. We'll do this again, okay, Stephen? All right, thanks a lot. You bet. That's Stephen Sander joining us. It's one fifty in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on orders now. Again, I'll be flying uh, tomorrow to Dallas. Brendan Ulrich will be taking uh, over the show tomorrow. Then I'll join you uh, for hit tomorrow and then back uh, from Dallas on Wednesday and Thursday. You wanted to jump in here or maybe pop back in after the break uh, here on orders now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Ulrich with you in orders now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. All right, portions of Oilers Now brought to you in part by our friends at World Floor Carvings. Tell them Oilers Now since you received two times the air miles, reward miles, and all your flooring purchases at World Floor Carvings where they know a little about flooring. Oh, wait, they know a lot about flooring, and they know a lot about hockey. To this day in Oilers history, for New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Looking at going on a river cruise for Europe in 2018. New West Travel's got great rates on these fabulous cruises. June 18th, 2008. June 18th, 2008, the NHL approves Daryl Cates' purchase of the Edmonton Oilers. There you have it. Is that right? The Board of Governors ratified it that day? <laughs> Do you know the other team that they ratified that day? Uh, transfer and ownership? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's stay in order's history brought to you by New West Travel. And that was when uh, Orrin Coolis and uh, Lenny Berry had purchased the Lightning. Uh, this day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Great travel deals for weddings, honeymoons, golf packages, and employee corporate reward trips. Call a friendly staff at New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. It is a final. England uh, defeats Tunisia 2-1. They get a light one from Harry Kane, a second of the game. You can uh, text us at 630-630.
Hey, Bob, when uh, Brendan takes over, can we count on no soccer from Dave and St. Albert? <laughs> is that, I think, in all of the time that we've hosted the show, is that the first soccer guest we've ever had? Like, we've had, uh, you know, Brock Sunderland, the jam of the Edmonton Eskimos. We've had, you know, Chris Morris, the head coach of the Golden Bears football team. You like old to talk about college Eli football? Gold to talk about Alabama football? Like, come on, man. Relax. It's a one-off. Uh, the Haas says, hey, Bob, soccer in Canada was a bigger deal 40 years ago uh, than it is today. Uh, three games at most uh, in Edmonton, likely all group stage games with the teams that wouldn't even qualify under current formats. That's his guess as to what's going to happen with Edmonton in 2026. It, it's going to be pretty significant. I don't think there's any question about that. Amazing how Canada and the United States and Mexico can come together with a united bid. Sort of seems opposite of uh, a lot of Donald Trump's actions over the course of the last uh, uh, month, couple months or so. Tonight on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, it is the Coaches Show. Jason Moss with Morley Scott. Jeff Merrick from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Graham, does Ian Leggett or Graham Leggett? Which uh, Leggett is Ian it? Ian Leggett. I was going to say, it might be tough for Grimm to be there. Uh, Ian Leggett uh, will be joining Reed Wilkins as well. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Stoffer Inspector, well, it'll be Spectre with Brendan Ulrich tomorrow for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Again, live racing Saturdays at Northlands Park. So long, everybody. Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.